You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. Family Matters. Time for our Family Matters feature. We do this every single Monday after the news at 11 o'clock. And today we are having a conversation about the impact of father and son relationship. Do you have a relationship with your father? How is it? How was it? What happened that led it to be where it is today? Last month, we started this conversation and we spoke about the mother-daughter relationship. And I did say, like some of you were asking us to do, that we will have the second part of the conversation where we look at the father-son relationship. When you look at studies, I think even in 2019, it's clear that there are many households that are without fathers. In 2019, it was reported that more than 40% of households in South Africa are female-headed, which means that a large percentage of boys in our country are being raised without fathers. That a large percentage of moms, of boys in South Africa are having to raise their sons without the influence of their father. And sometimes fathers are physically present, right? But they are abusive or they're dismissive. Sometimes they're emotionally unavailable. So I want us to have a conversation about the importance of the role of that a father plays in his son's life. And if you are a father, if you're a son and you've seen the importance of this role, I'd like you to share your experiences with us on 011-883-0702 or send us a WhatsApp voice note on 072-702-1702. How can men build better relationships with their sons, Right. Let's look also at how, as a single mom, how do you equip yourself to raise your son without their father? Because that's a reality for many women in in this country. We've got Jeannie Carvey, who's a clinical psychologist, joining us for this discussion. Jeannie, thank you so much for coming back. We spoke to you about the mother-daughter, and we did say that we'll have you back. Thank you for giving us your time. Good morning. Thank you, Clemens. Always a pleasure to be here. So um, let's start, and, and just as we continue our discussion, we'll bring in the experiences of our listeners on the calls, on the WhatsApp line, on the SMS line as well. Let's first start by looking at just identity and the developmental arc in this father-son relationship. Okay, beautiful. We've spoken so much about women and their role as mothers. We, I think we've done up to three shows on that, and we haven't really spoken about men and their roles of fathers and why this is important and what is the father's role developmentally for, for children? Um, and just starting with the focus on the father and son relationship as a point of departure, um, it's important to, to know that fathers are very much involved in a son's sense of identity, not only in terms of inheriting, usually inheriting his father's last name, but also in terms of their identity as they occupy um, a masculine role in the world out there and modeling on their father what that masculine role needs to be. Now, more and more with children are little, especially little boys are little, they really idolize their dad. And my dad is my hero and my dad's stronger than your dad. And then as they grow up, which is very much part of a normal process of um, development, a person starts to realize that your parent isn't perfect and your parent is human. Mm. Um, and very important step in the process of becoming independent, which we call differentiation. Um, and when when boys grow up to realize that their father isn't perfect and start to think about what kind of man they would like to be, either similar or unsimilar to their father in any particular way, 
and they start to differentiate from their father. And this can create tension in that relationship as the father starts to lose that sense of control and access to their child and their child starts to become different to them or different to what they value or different to what their ideal um, version of masculine really needs to be. So um, when we have very strong ideas around masculinity and strongly adhering to a masculine role, when a father has that, it makes that differentiation process much more difficult. What are the benefits of that? I mentioned in the intro that sometimes the fathers are physically present, but they can be abusive, they can be emotionally unavailable. So yeah, they're there in the home, but you don't just see the benefit of that relationship. In fact, there is no relationship at all. Speak to us about what happens when it's done in the right way. How does having that strong father relationship benefit a son? Yeah, so very much it can be both um, actual abandonment or symbolic abandonment in that the father is not emotionally available or is hypercritical and dismissive of the son. And in both of those situations, the same um, psychological or relational impacts can occur. And in order to understand that, we can also look at, well, what are the benefits of having an emotionally present father um, who is a positive influence on their, their son's life and positively acknowledges their son and reinforces that. And the studies show that um, uh, men who've had strong relationships with their fathers and experienced their fathers as accepting and emotionally present when they are are children, they actually deal with everyday stress better later in life. Um, One of the theories behind this is because of how men play with their sons, with rough and tumble play and rough play, um, and this can actually teach boys to um, tolerate uh, tension and tolerate difficulty and become more resilient and more robust and actually have a higher threshold for being able to cope with, with stress. Other things, what other studies have found that positive time with fathers in childhood reduces anxiety, depression, and even aggression in boys. Other studies showed that law-abiding fathers tend to raise law-abiding sons. In one study that I read about um, of um, uh, prisoners who were incarcerated, only 4% of those prisoners had fathers who had never themselves been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. So that was a very small number compared to the other 96% that also had fathers that were incarcerated. And obviously there's lots of socio-political contributing factors to why some people break the law, but the study showed that um, concluded that it's a very, very low percentage of um, law-abiding fathers that have um, children that offend. Um, another study that I read said it's important that fathers have got strong relationships with their sons to teach them about having the talk, the life talk, and also teaching them about sexual consent. And sexual consent not only in terms of respecting their partner's consent, but also in learning that they also can say no to unwanted sexual advances and moving away from the narrative that, you know, guys are rough and ready and always want sex and always want sexual contact that when they have a strong relationship with an approving father and an accepting father, that they are also able to learn that they can say no to unwanted sexual advances. Um, Some studies even show that children who experience affection from their fathers, babies um, that experience affection from their fathers, later go on in life to perform higher on standardized cognitive tests. And also, and this I see in my practice all the time, Mm. is to promote strong sense of confidence and strong self-esteem. I can't tell you how many times I've heard from adults in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, 
about how my dad wasn't there when I made the first team cricket. Mm. And they'll say, my mom was there, but my mom was always there. But I walked out of that tunnel and I looked and my dad wasn't there. And no matter how accomplished a person is, how no matter how, and this goes for men and women that I've seen in my, in my practice, is that when they didn't have that approval and that, that father that was proud of them, how much more difficult it is for them to have a strong sense of confidence and sense of self-esteem. Sure. Um, I want to bring in the listeners now. 011-883-0702. Give us a call. Um, I want to know if maybe there was a symbolic abundant abandonment. What impact did that, that have on, on your life? Uh, tell us about your relationship with your father. Would you say it's comparable to that with your mother? Do you feel the need to impress your father, to live up to his legacy? And what's been the impact of the presence or the absence um, of your of of the father in your life, your voice notes are coming on zero seven two seven zero two one seven zero two. Good morning, Clement. My father left when I was five years old. Uh, we tried to establish a relationship, but it never really took off. Uh, it never really worked. Um, and then later on in my life, I got married, and my my father-in-law kind of took the position of my biological father, and they are fantastic. Uh, I see them about twice a week, and um, our relationship is very strong. Um, and I've got an eight-year-old boy, and I, I consciously try to give him everything that I did not have with my father. So, uh, yeah, you know, lots of love, lots of affection, and uh, we try and build a great relationship. Have a lucky day, Martin from Pretoria. Thanks for, for the voice note, Martin. Uh, Jeannie, I wonder if having... A father figure can compensate for for the absence of of a biological father, so to speak. I mean, Martin speaks about other father figures and how those are the people that were there. And I can think of of many people who didn't necessarily have the presence of their father in their lives, but they had that uncle who cared. They had um, that uh, grandfather. They had that friend of the family who was like a father figure to them. And I wonder if that can somehow compensate or is there still a yearning for some people for that relationship with the father and they see what the benefit would have been if they still had that biological father physically present in their lives. It's such a beautiful um, question and I really enjoyed your voice note. Thank you so much, Martine. There's two valuable things that I want to touch on there. And the answer is yes, very much so. Having a strong father figure, even if it's not your, your biological father, can definitely um, can definitely have the same benefits as a biological father. But at the same time, it depends on the context and the circumstances where a child might still yearn um, or an adult man might still yearn for that relationship with his biological father if there is some um, symbolism that he's attached to that. But what we can hear from Martin is that that's not the case at all. And his stepfather is his dad. Um, and he doesn't, in, uh, what I heard in the voice note was that he doesn't long. So I think for some people it can be, but I think that having a strong father figure, and I would go so far as saying, I don't have any research to back this up. This is just my own understanding uh, or my own thinking is that I would say even more for the father, because with a mother, the child grows inside the mother's stomach and gets to know the mother for nine months before that they're born. And children, as we spoke about last time, babies cry in the accents of their mother. They prefer flavors that their mother ingested. 
But because the father isn't involved in the pregnancy, only in the conception, I think that there is a different opportunity there for, let's for once have a better word, a substitution, different to the imprinting that happens between a mother and a baby. So I'd say even more so for me and my understanding for, for that father figure, having somebody else step into that role, an uncle, a grandfather, a stepdad, um, your, um, your mother's um, uh, best male friend. Um, and that's actually what they suggest in a lot of the studies that I read for single mothers that don't have um, the father of the child involved or the father of the child constructively involved is to expose them to other strong male role models. So that can definitely help. And then in another thing that Martin mentioned, I want to just reference um, um, Eric Miller's work around this, is that in reparenting, especially for a man to have a son of his own and reparenting through his relationship with his son, um, the, the experience that he had in that father-son um, dynamic, that can also go a long way to healing what Eric Miller and the research refers to as the father wound. Yeah. Let's go to Lefaronolo, who's calling us from Isando. Lefaronolo, hi. Uh, good day to you right, and uh, good day to um, uh, the lady that you're having a conversation with. Marimeza, you know, it's very, very important, especially I look at my generation and the generation after. It's very, very, very important that you become present in your, in your son's or your daughter's life. No matter you're getting paid 20 cents or you're getting paid a thousand in a month, you understand? That the, the, not only money-wise, um, being there, physically being there for them, you know, making them understand that, you know, um, you're not doing them a favor by being in their life. They actually do you a favor by being in your life. You understand? Because lots of fathers out there, I, I look at my situation, okay? I knew my father when I was 40, mm-hmm. okay? In the last three years, I haven't had a proper conversation, like a 10 minute conversation with the guy. Whenever he gets a situation, a, t- a chance to speak to me, he just disappears. And I've accepted that. I've accepted mm-hmm. that, you know what? My mother, my mother was there for me. And she made, he made, she made sure that we find this guy. Even when we, we in primary, when in high school, we still went to his house. And we couldn't have that conversation, that, that we couldn't even meet him. Mm. So it is very, very important for our generation. I mean, I look at some guys. I've got, I've got five kids. I'm not, I'm not really proud, but I'm proud to have those kids. I look at some guys who've got like one kid, two kids. Okay. Mm. Guys that can look after one kid. The other day I took... I, I took a stand with, uh, with, with, with my, my, my woman's ex. But the son never knew him. When I met my woman, the son was 11. The son never knew him. All those years, last year, in 2000, and last year actually, in somewhere in June, I advised the mother that he's becoming a teenager. Let's introduce him to his dad. Mm. And we found the dad. Mm. It's been hell after that. Now in January, he was going to the new school. We asked him, whatever you can contribute, the school is expensive, whatever you can contribute. Yeah. And then he said to us, no, you took that decision, you deal with it. Sure, yeah, Lesharanola, I, I hear you, man, I hear you. Thank you for, for calling us, talking about the important role of being there and being present um, in, in a kid's life. Jenny, what, what's coming out there for me from Lesharanola's call is that sometimes it's difficult to reestablish these relationships at a later stage. I think in some instances, there are people that uh, met their fathers either for the first time or again 
when they're much older, in their 80s, in their 40s, in their 60s. I mean, I, the other day I got a call from from someone when we were talking about mother-child. I don't know if you remember, Jenny. Um, we got a call from this, this, this man who's 70 years of age and says he's just literally found his biological mother and he was adopted and he seemed to be happy with that process. But that's not a story for everyone. Some people are struggling to connect Right with the fathers when they find them at a, at a much later stage. So, what impact does that have then on that relationship going forward? Um, yeah, thank you so much, Lefa Hanolo, for calling in, and we can hear you know that you're very passionate about this, and I can hear that you're endeavouring to do things differently to how your father and your partner's um, uh, son's father are doing things, and I really want to commend that. I love what she's saying there about people value what they invest in and how, you know, fathers that don't invest in their relationships with their children don't end up valuing their children. Um, and as you know, the child can be absolutely incredible and wonderful in every way. And if the father doesn't invest, whether it's financially or emotionally or practically or time or interests or anything, that they don't really value that relationship. Um, and sometimes this pattern can persist even as the father becomes, you know, an adult or even older adult or matures, and that can that can persist. I also just want to touch before answering your question, Clement, around what um, he said about his mother always being there for him. And obviously, we have a wonderful case study in Barack Obama about somebody who was raised by a single mother and didn't have a father. I think he was four when his father left. And um, I saw an interview with him recently where he was asked, you know, wasn't it difficult um, you know, being raised without a father. And he said his mother, just unlike Lechonolo said, his mother did everything for them. And he said, my mother never let a day go by where I didn't feel like the most wonderful creation in the world. Mm. Um, so we see that mothers can um, support their children as they encounter the world um, without a father and can support their children as they encounter their father for who they truly are. And this has been a very valuable lesson for not only myself, but a lot of single mothers in just allowing the father to be who he truly is without frustrating and without facilitating and support your son as he encounters his father for who he truly is. Um, because sometimes what mothers can do is they can try to alleviate the child's um, discomfort or feelings of rejection by trying to facilitate that relationship. But if a father cannot, doesn't have the capacity to be a, a strong role model in his son's life, the mother's attempt to facilitate that will only ever fall flat. Mm. Um, um, and, and just allowing him to be the best dad that he can be, the child then gets an accurate perspective of their father that doesn't then lead to further disappointment of him being inflated and then the disappointments and then the inflation and then the disappointment. Mm. Um, but rejection is re rejection across the lifespan. So whether you are 4 or 44 or 64, to experience rejection by somebody, especially somebody who we are programmed in our culture to believe would love us unconditionally and be there for us, is incredibly, incredibly painful. Yeah. So sometimes it, father having a son very young or he gets life experiences or gets into a better financial situation and then steps up and becomes an absolutely great dad, that can happen. But it can also be that this is just who this guy is. And trying to facilitate that relationship can actually cause more harm than good, other than rather just supporting the child as they encounter their father for who they really are. Yeah, yeah. I've got a message from a father who says, I sit here in tears listening to this conversation because this is a battle I've fought all my life. I only met my biological father when I, when I turned 30. That was the only time I spent with him. My biological parents had an abusive, toxic relationship, and all my life I felt that my mom 
punished me because of the abuse she suffered at the hands of my biological father. I'm 45 years old now and I have three kids, two boys and a girl. My struggle is that I love these kids. I try to be a good dad, but I always feel I'm falling short. It's difficult as a man not knowing where you belong. I look at my kids and try my best to ensure that they never feel this emptiness that I feel every day. Anonymous, I'm so sorry. Um, Jeez, that's, that's how the absence and what happened, absence of your father and what happens when you were still young, that's how it's affected you and even it's now even defining your relationship with your kids. Ginny, I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that after the latest in Eyewitness News headlines. We'll continue with your calls as well. WhatsApp voice notes and SMS them. 702. Family Matters. All right, so I want to go to your calls. Uh, please be quick and sharp so that I can take as many calls as possible um, and I can have an opportunity to play as many voice notes as we can. Rams, you're calling us from Tembisa. Good morning. Mm, thank you. Good morning, sir. Sure. Uh, just quickly to say, you know, Donald Trump, uh, the 45th American president, in a book, uh, Too Much Never Enough, there's a clear demonstration how a father was physically present, mm-hmm. but psychologically damaging. Yeah. And I think I would like to make the point that it is much more than just being a present as a father. True. It is the kind of father who is there. Because some of the father, fathers uh, come from a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. They, they were better brought up themselves and they inflict their wounds on their offspring. Mm-hmm. And just the, 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 the last point quickly. Uh, I'm 70 years old now, but for me, the, the template for a father was my, my grandfather, who died when I was 16. But everything that I am today, yeah. I owe to that grandfather, because for me, he became a, a template of what a man is. Yeah, that's my short, short contribution. Great contribution, Rams. Thank you so much for calling. Betty, you're in Nelspreet. Good morning. Hi, Clement. How are you? I'm all right. How's it going? Okay, I just wanted to tell you one thing, Clement. My daughter has three children with this, whatever you want to call him. He has two daughters and a son. He doesn't even know that his daughter matriculated with four distinctions. Mm. He doesn't know his son is in standard, well, um, grade 10. Mm. He doesn't know that his son is yearning for a father figure he doesn't phone on a birthday. He hasn't ever been to the school. He is, he is, I, I don't know what to say. He has no interest in his children. He doesn't mm-hmm. care about my grandson. He says if they want him, they must phone him. Mm-hmm. And that was about five years ago. He hasn't seen the children. My eldest granddaughter he hasn't seen for about nine years. He hasn't seen his grandson and his other gra- I mean, his da- son and his daughter for about five years. Mm. No phone calls, no uh, pittance because of the court, and he has no interest. He doesn't care. Mm. Sure, and that that affects the kid because the kid ends up even asking, "Am I the problem? Is he rejecting me?" Um, Carl, you're calling from Rodeport. Good morning. Hi, Clement. So, um, my father was absent from my life when when I was a week old. The, the story started. Mm. They got a divorce because of his infidelity. Never made contact with me until age 21, when the courts needed to close their records 
for the child maintenance that he had to pay. And then he needed me. And then I turned 21 and he came to my aunt's house, his sister's house, and he said to me, boy, uh, I acknowledge you as my son, uh, but you know I have another family and uh, I must tell you as much as, as, as I would want to love you, I can't make space for you in my family. I said to him, you know what, Dad? Um, I must forgive you because unforgiveness is the poison that will only destroy the container and not the person who is meant to drink it. Mm-hmm. And my mother taught me this lesson. Mm. So, yes, years went by and then recently he came back into my life expecting me now to pay him 4,500 random months in maintenance. Mm. My wife refused and he said to her, I will pray that this boy comes, I'll pray to, to God that this boy comes to his knees so that he can know what it's like on earth. Sure. Again, I said to him, you know what, Dad? I've learned another lesson from you. First, I've learned how to forgive. Second, I've learned what kind of father I'm not going to be. Yes, yeah, yeah. So now my own son is turned 18, and uh, I've registered a business for him. We acquired a contract, and I'm running around all over the country trying to find trucks mm-hmm. to fulfill their contract. So yeah. uh, that people understand. Yeah, Carl, I've got you there. Carl and Rodebor, thanks for your call. Thanks uh, for Betty as well in Nelspread. Uh, Jenny, Carl mentioned something important there, that, that, that he told his father that a lesson I'm also getting from you is that I must not be like that, is how not to raise my children. And I want you to pick up on that, because even with that message I read before the headlines, um, this father who says he's got three kids, and because he didn't have that relationship with his own father. There was a toxic relationship um, between his parents. He says sometimes he feels like he doesn't value his kids and he hates himself every day for that. Where do you start that work as as a father who whose past relationship or lack of relationship with your own father now is affecting how you view and you even raise your own kids? Because it's not always, as you said earlier, that some of the fathers who um, who didn't grow up without their father or grew up in abusive homes are not going to be the replica of that. Sometimes they take the conscious decision to be better fathers, right? They do everything possible not to be what their fathers were to them. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, just to touch on that message from Anonymous um, that was so beautiful and heartfelt. And I'm sure this is really a very emotional topic we can hear just from the emotions that people are sharing with us, just how important that father relationship is. Um, and the first premise of communication is you cannot not communicate. So even being conspicuous by your absence has an impact. But just because it has an impact doesn't mean it's a foregone conclusion around what a person will do with that impact. And listening to that that message anonymous um, of um, his relationships with his three children, um, I'd say the fact that he is actively reflecting on his connection with his children, he's already a million steps ahead of where his own father was. To be able to reflect and ask yourself, how can I be a better parent to my children, means you probably already are a good parent. 
Um, there's no such thing as a perfect parent because a perfect parent will raise dependent children and thereby be imperfect. Um, so there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And I always say you're going to mess up some way with your children, but mess up in such a way that they become better people for overcoming um, whichever mistake that you made that is completely out of your frame of reference that you even know about, even when you are well-intentioned. So just to that anonymous um, person who messaged, I say you're really doing a great job just by being able to reflect um, on the relationship that you have with your children. And it's impossible whether you have an amazing dad or you have a terrible dad or an absent dad or a brutal dad, it's impossible for them not to affect you as a parent because it will either affect you in um, having a limited role repertoire and repeating those things or having a wonderful model of a father and repeating the things that he did with you, or it will affect you by you learning from, as what Carl said, learning from what they did and doing something differently. So something affecting you is not always necessarily negative. It can't not affect you. But by being conscious and being reflective of yourself and choosing to um, engage in a different way, or even just choosing to try to engage in a different way, you are already breaking that generational trauma. Um, in line with what, what Betsy was saying, you know, there's that yearning. Um, and they call it actually the father hunger. There's a yearning, and a number of people have said a yearning um, for that relationship with the dad. It's deeply, deeply, deeply programmed. But as we've heard, when you've got that wonderful strong role um, model, mm -hmm. um, I think it was Carl or Rams who said um, my grandfather was that person to me, um, then, then you can model on that and have that need met. And like um, Barack Obama said, that his mother fulfilled that for him. And then I just want to say thank you to Rams for um, that perfect example um, with Donald Trump of having a father who inflicts shame by his presence and not only a father who inflicts shame by his absence in that um, Too Much and Never Enough book about how Donald Trump's um, emotionally abusive father resulted in an incredibly angry um, individual who struggles with relationships and has that, those tendencies of being very controlling and very unempathic towards other people. So it's definitely that, you know, whatever experiences we have in life affect us. Yeah. But we have opportunities for other kinds of relational experiences and we have the opportunity to learn and grow. We can choose to do things differently and provide a corrective healing experience for ourselves within ourselves in different relationships. Yeah. How can men build better relationships with their sons. Uh, Jenny, I want you to think about that while we take a quick ad break. When we come back, I'll give you an opportunity to respond and I'll also go uh, to the calls. I'll go to your WhatsApp messages as well. 702 Family Matters. It's going up to 10 minutes before 12 o'clock. Before I go back to your lines, Jenny, um, just, just give us some, some tips on how men can build better relationships with their son and then we'll continue with the calls and voice notes. Beautiful. So I think we must just first acknowledge that um, parental alienation is a thing. Um, I know it's been discussed on the show before. So sometimes, um, even though men try very hard, they are limited in their opportunities to participate in their children's lives because of acrimony in the ending of the romantic relationship. So just to acknowledge that as well. And sometimes men do run out of steam and do give up. But as far as possible, to try to be part of the co-parenting team, even if you live in a different household, um, you know, being a single parent myself and just seeing how my son's dad absolutely endeavors to be part of the co-parenting team and have a relationship with his son. My son doesn't miss anything um, in that department in his life and how important it is for fathers to continue to do that as long as 
you know, we must also accept that sometimes they aren't given that opportunity. And that comes to mothers, you know, not frustrating or not, and also not trying to facilitate, but not frustrating their children's relationship with their father, but rather supporting their children as they encounter their father for who they are. Just in terms of dads, again, to really, you know, when, when I was reading up about um, our discussion today, going through all the research and the journal articles, um, one of the things that repeats it as a theme time and time again was the dangerous cultural narrative we have around men's masculinity in being these emotionally unavailable providers. And um, that is a very toxic um, narrative to have, both for the fathers and the sons themselves. And that men, you know, must be happy wife, happy life, and they must sacrifice their own emotions and not have emotions um, and, or, and must just provide. And if men can conquer those narratives of happy wife, happy life and present themselves as people who actually do have emotional lives and then can have emotional closeness with their sons and their daughters, but especially with their sons as well, um, that can definitely go a long way to improving the quality of the relationship and not inflicting a father wound. So ex- Get to know your children, but also let them get to know you and express them to them your love and affection for them. And in that way, teach them about emotions. Very importantly, also, we discussed it many times on the show, Andrew Solomon's book, Far From the Tree, especially for fathers, how important it is to accept your children for who they are, even if they are different. And how to learn to express this acceptance of them to them. And also being mindful of how you express your opinions about difference in general when they're very young. Um, a lot of the research also shows that fathers are influential in um, in passing down to their sons um, values around homosexuality, interracial relationships, women's roles, like I said earlier, consent. And by showing prejudice to your sons, you actually breed prejudice in them. And let's say, for instance, you're very negative about homosexuality in front of your sons when they're little. If they are gay, then it can really create a lot of emotional distance for them mm-hmm. from you because they're learning, not in their direct, um, the father's direct communication with their son, but they're learning that there's something inherently wrong with them. So looking at being an accepting person, look, checking your, pre- your prejudices as well and not passing them on to your children and not inflicting them on your children is very important. Um, and then for me, it's very important to learn as a parent, whether you're a father or mother, but especially as a father, to learn to say, I'm sorry. Um, parents are people too, and sometimes you have an impact on your child that's not effective. Sometimes your impact and your intention don't line up. Sometimes you make a parenting mistake. And to turn around to your child and say, I'm sorry, you are actually right, is incredibly important for confirmation and building emotional closeness, not to deny your child's reality in a situation where you as a parent have been wrong and your child has actually been right. And you can definitely say, I'm sorry, your child will actually get more respect for you rather than losing respect. And then finally, I'd say um, fathers especially need to learn to discipline their sons through teaching and guiding rather than punishment and especially rather than through ridicule um, and shame. A lot of fathers discipline their sons by mocking them, by making fun of them, by ridiculing them, and also by harshly punishing them um, with corporal punishment or even violence, um, uh, beatings, um, rejection. And that can cause a lot of um, damage to a person's self-esteem. So learn to model behavior for your sons. Learn to discipline them through teaching and guiding and positive reinforcement rather than punishment and ridicule. Yeah, yeah. Mondli, you're calling us from Johannesburg. Good morning. Good morning, are you? I'm okay, I'm okay, Mondli. Go ahead. Yeah. um, I just want to understand, um, okay, one, 
I'm having a bit of a really difficult relationship with my son, the orphan son right now. Hmm. Now, I want to understand this. Hopala, um, one, if language-wise, I, I prefer not always speaking in English with my kids. Yeah. I would love to speak with them. This is Zulu, like their own, own language. Now, if, um, if you notice this days, you know, a lot of our African kids, we are always talking English, 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 English. Now, personally, I, I don't prefer that. I would love to once in a while talk to my kids in, in their language okay. and teach them our, our, our things. Yeah. Mm. But it seems like um, I've been told which when I do that, I make them feel uncomfortable, whatnot. I, I don't say with my kids. Mm. Yeah. told when I do that, I make them uncomfortable and mm. they don't want to do that. Mm. So is which that what's like. causing a strain, Monty, in your relationship? Yes, I feel it's part of the thing that I cause because as it is now, he's attending therapy, he's he's he's, he's attending psychologist, you know. And uh, the third part is that I was also attending those uh, therapies because of I also was having my own issues. Now you see, once you 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 hear that your child or I see my child doing the same thing like that I'm doing, it had mm. because now you start thinking, hey, this is serious. I mean, I know how I got there. Now, if mm. he is, yeah, then becomes that. Yeah, maybe there's there's something more to it, Mondly. Just just quickly, Mondly, um, has he ever gone to schools where he was taught that Venek or growing up, have you guys always spoken Venek with them? In other words, can he speak Isizul? He can. No, he can speak Venek, but I, yeah, obvious. Okay, from primary and then through high school and then now he's in the uh, like, uh, the boys' school, they always like they always are in English schools. Oh, and the, and he just prefers English even at home. Um, okay, Jenny, jeez, um, how does Mondly, how does Mondly deal with that? Because it looks like he says he prefers, um, mm. to speak to the kids in Isizulu. I'm not sure if it's like a rule in the house that, um, this is the language you have to speak when you are here as opposed to just english and and he's indicating that that makes his son uncomfortable and now that has caused a strain in the relationship yeah beautiful thank you so much for calling in monday and giving us the dad's perspective and being so courageous and sharing the struggle that you're having with your son um what i'm hearing is that there seems to be a a a war of confirmation between the two of you um, your son wanting to be confirmed for who he is in his difference in adopting what we call a horizontal culture. So the culture that he has adopted from his peer group and friends and culture um, in the here and now, not traditionally. Um, and um, Monday wants his son to acknowledge him in his vertical culture, the culture that he has inherited from generations above. And that language between the two of you has now become a battleground over which the two of you are fighting the war of differentiation. You wanting your son to acknowledge your, your similarities and your connection to your culture and your heritage and your history, and your son wanting to be acknowledged in his identity for who he is. Yeah. And I can hear that you both feel very strongly about this because confirmation is an incredibly important part 
um, of the human experience to be seen for who we truly are is vitally important for a human being. But I would just encourage Monde to, to see if he can entertain seeing it in this way around his son wanting to be acknowledged for who he is in adopting his horizontal culture and see if this doesn't take a little bit of the sting out of it, that yeah. it's not necessarily a rejection of you or the vertical culture, but in addition, wanting to be acknowledged for the horizontal culture in who he truly is. I often see this when, when sometimes when it comes to pronouns um, and how important it is for, for a child, for their parents to acknowledge their pronoun that they resonate with more. It becomes about acknowledging me for how I see myself rather than acknowledging me for how you see our history together yeah, and yeah. use tradition together. So Monday, the fact that you are wanting to um, overcome the struggle with your son, I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. But I just really want you to see that it's a power struggle now becoming between the two of you and ask yourself if this is a worthwhile battleground for yourself or if there's another way that you can view this to take the, the sting out of this for yourself and acknowledge your son for who he is and find other mm -hmm. ways for him to you for your heritage and culture. Yeah, Mondi, good luck, man. Jenny Kaveh, clinical psychologist, thanks for guiding us through this discussion.